Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And thank you, choir, for that really beautiful Russian anthem. When I was in college, I would uh, go to church with my friend at his Russian Orthodox church, and it made me think of that after all these years. I will call Mike this afternoon. <laughs> well, as indicated to you last uh, week, and now you can obviously see for yourself, uh, we come now to the season of Advent, uh, which uh, literally means arrival or coming to be, and uh, refers obviously uh, to the coming of Christ into this world, but also to the period of time, uh, including the four Sundays prior to Advent, which then concludes on Christmas, which begins the 12 days of Christmas, which then takes us to the epiphany of our Lord on January the 6th. Uh, for Christians, uh, Advent anticipates the coming of Christ from three perspectives. Uh, one is, of course, his birth in Bethlehem, uh, also his coming into our hearts, and then uh, when he comes in glory at the end of time, including the end of your time here on this earth. And uh, even though we don't know exactly when the advent of Advent uh, first began as a season in the life of the church, we can trace it back to at least the fifth century, if not before, when it was established as a time of spiritual preparation for the celebration of Christmas. But like the season of Lent, it included things like confession and penitence and prayer and fasting and other forms of uh, self-sacrifice. Uh, those of you who uh, may have grown up in the church and are old enough to remember, there was a time when uh, you know, we didn't see a Christmas tree in the sanctuary in Advent. We had to wait until Christmas Eve, unless, of course, you know, there might have been a pageant a little bit uh, sooner than that. And we didn't sing Christmas carols during Advent. Instead, it was all about Advent hymns. Another one of the traditions, of course, that you see in front of you today is the uh, Advent wreath with its four candles, which was uh, developed by a German farmer become pastor by the name of Johann Wickern in 1839 in order to counteract uh, the impatience of anxious children who wanted to get a jump start on Christmas uh, as a way of saying, look, three more weeks to go, two more weeks to go, in what became a sanctified version of are we there yet, as the light on the Advent wreath grows and grows and Christmas gets closer and closer. And, and I hope that helps you to uh, understand a little bit about why to this day at least some churches in this world uh, look like they might be dragging their feet a little bit or at least are out of sync uh, with the rest of the culture in which the month of December is not the season before Christmas, it is the season of Christmas. And people are not fasting, we're partying, and we're decorating and shopping and cranking up the music and doing other things to prepare in ways that may or may not be uh, very spiritual. And then as the church begins the season of Christmas on December 25th and then moves through those 12 days, well, People out in the world are turning off the music, taking the trees to the curb. Valentines are coming out, CVS, I mean. <laughs> Even though I will tell you that my father insisted that our Christmas tree stay up all the way to Epiphany, meaning we had some nasty trees going out of our house by January 6th, I, I can tell you that. Anyway, uh, 
although St. Andrew has certainly not abandoned uh, the idea of Advent as a season of preparation before uh, the coming of Christmas, I can also assure you that even in this church house, decorations are coming out this week, and you're going to see the Christmas tree when you get here uh, next Sunday, which uh, makes me think of uh, a blessed former church member by the name of Dorothy Cockrell, who is now with the Lord and with her old school sensibilities, one year when the Christmas tree went up at the very beginning of Advent, called in the next morning and said, what's next? Lilies during Lent. <laughs> God bless Dorothy Cockrell. Well, I hope that uh, this little bit of historical context also helps you to understand why, instead of cranking up the fun machine and starting to roll toward a joyful celebration of Christmas, that the first gospel for Advent is downright apocalyptic, scary, frightening. As Jesus sounds the alarm for his followers about times that are destined to be tough, hard, dangerous, as nature and nations begin coming apart at the seams, in the Gospels of Matthew and Mark, the so-called synoptic apocalypse includes earthquakes, famine, war and conflict among nations. In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus even says to his followers that the temple in Jerusalem would be destroyed, which was as inconceivable to them as the collapse of the World Trade Center was to us prior to 9-11. And then in today's Gospel, he says to them that all these things would come to pass before their generation is over. And sure enough, less than 40 years later, that great temple in Jerusalem was destroyed by the Romans. And the entire holy city of Jerusalem lay in ruins. Jesus makes his prophecy and that prophecy has come true. And so as we come to Advent, he sounds the alarm of things that happen when nature and nations begin to come apart at the seams. Ready for the good news? Jesus tells his followers that when these things happen, Christians should raise their heads and stand tall. Because our salvation, our redemption is near. And redemption has to do with the coming of God. Redemption has to do with the fact uh, that you go someplace and you claim something that you know already belongs to you because you've purchased it, you've already won it. And so when the world comes apart at the seams, when the walls start crashing down on you, stand up, lift up your heads, and know that the Lord's redemption of your life happens in the advent of Jesus Christ. And so what you really have here, woven into these 11 verses of a frightening, apocalyptic, holy scripture, is a roadmap for your future. It's a pattern, a guide for living your life in the context of all the changes and the chances and the tragedies that come your way, no matter what they look like, no matter when they happen to occur. And the first thing 
we are called to do is to stay spiritually alert every day and to read the signs that are all around us telling us that the kingdom of God is more enduring than anything that this world will ever offer. And you know yourself, I mean, you know, there are all kinds of signs out in the world, signs telling you to, you know, stop, keep moving, slow down, speed up. There are signs that tell you, you know, what to eat, where to stay, what to buy, who to vote for, how to think. Some signs are confusing, like the sign outside of Cheryl's Restaurant and Filling Station in Tipton, Indiana, which says, eat here and get gas. <laughs> what does that say to you? Sometimes our bodies give us signs that things aren't going well. Sometimes there are signs that, you know, that there's a change in your life. There's a loss that's uh, around the corner somewhere. Some people aren't very good at reading those signs. Some people aren't very good at staying spiritually alert every day of their lives. But Jesus calls us to read them as reminders that there's something bigger than this world so that you don't put too many of your eggs in the basket of the present moment. And then he says, when you see these things happen, when this world starts coming apart at the seams, get your heads up and look above your circumstances. Celebrate the advent of your world's redeemer and live your life faithfully and live it courageously, looking above your situation, above the changes and chances of this life at the one whose grace is everything. You know yourself, you know, you get on an airplane and you're way up there, you're above it all and you look down and it all looks very small, much smaller than when you're smack dab in the middle of it. Well, they didn't have airplanes when Jesus gave this passage and so uh, he told them that when they lift up their heads and they look at the sprouting leaves of a tree in springtime, then they should remember not only that a new season is coming, but a new life is coming in the world's redeemer. Last week I uh, paid a visit to a member of our congregation at Montgomery Hospice who on one hand is surely dying, and yet on the other hand, I can tell you this, she's really living. Above her circumstances, giving thanks to God for all that God has done for her in her journey, trusting God for her future, looking forward to her new life in Christ as I fed her the Lord's Supper, as I prayed that final commendation over her, as I thanked Diane for her faith and for her love. There she is in hospice. But I can tell you, she's going out with her head held high. And that is what this day, this season, this congregation, and everything we do here is ultimately about at the end of the day. Because if outwardly the world is falling apart on you, but inwardly, you have the peace and presence of God, your Redeemer, in your heart, then you are good to go, come what may. 
when you lift up your head and you look above your circumstances and you live your life courageously, remembering that for a Christian, courage is not about the absence of fear. It's not about the absence of heartache. It's not about the absence of grief or any other human emotion that God has given to us. Courage has to do with going forward faithfully in spite of and in the midst of all those things because we know that our God has come to be with us. And so if you know that, then you are good to go and you can go home and you can crank up the music and you can decorate and you can go shopping and you can start the party anytime you want to in praise and to the glory of the world's Redeemer. Uh, it's interesting uh, that uh, in the midst of the news uh, that we received at the end of the last week about the earthquake in Alaska, it was noted uh, that next Friday is the 30th anniversary of a devastating, catastrophic, apocalyptic earthquake uh, that struck the Soviet, former Soviet Republic of Armenia in 1988. And one of the stories that came out of that earthquake was of a man who, after the ground shook, ran to the elementary school where his son was a student. And when he got there, the school was leveled. But driven by his love for his son, that man located the approximate area of his child's classroom, and he began pulling off bricks and pieces of concrete and other debris. And he did it for hours. And people told him to stop. They said it was no use. Even a policeman tried to, to, to bring him back. But he would not give up. He kept doing it hour after hour, all day long, into the night, with his hands raw and his energy depleted. More than 30 hours later, he's pulling a section of bricks away from the rubble, and he hears a voice. He calls his son's name. And his son calls back and says, Dad, I knew you'd come. I knew you'd come. It may interest you to know that the Greek word apocalypse literally means unveiling, which is to say, that we can journey into our future with eternal hope. Thankful that when the earth shakes and the walls come crashing down, that a stone was moved, not from an earthquake-stricken city, but from a tomb outside the city of Jerusalem, unveiling the living, victorious Jesus Christ, who, driven by love, came into this world to rescue and save his daughters and sons so that we could come here and begin a new advent and get ready and go forward, daring to believe that our redemption has arrived and that true to his promise, God's word will never, ever pass away. So however you observe Advent during the next few weeks, whatever that is, I would encourage you to take some time every day to be spiritually alert, 
to look up above your circumstances and start looking for the one who comes to save and redeem a whole world of sinners like you and me. Enjoy the music. Keep your heads up. And let's get ready to celebrate Christmas. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.